Well, again, glad you've joined us. And uh, Pastor Brian, do you have the results of our our poll, what people would like to receive on Valentine's Day? Yeah, the winner is candy. The winner is candy. In okay. a close... No, no, no. The winner's dinner out. Excuse me, dinner out. Okay. Yeah. Correction. Excuse, excuse you. Can, candy is a close second. Only one person uh, would like flowers, and this whole church community just does not want cash at all. Wow. So nobody wants cash. At least they weren't uh, willing to say they wanted cash. Uh, but uh, so uh, dinner out, then candy, uh, then flowers at, by one person, yep. and then cash. So. Um, Anyway, well, thank you uh, for participating in our poll. Maybe you learned something uh, about uh, your significant other as well. Well, some of you may be asking, why is there uh, even Valentine's Day? I mean, obviously, uh, to be able to, to celebrate your special relationships, um, clearly there is an economic impact to Valentine's Day uh, between cards and flowers and candy uh, Valentine's Day will have a 2.8, or excuse me, $21.8 billion boom to the economy. And the history of Valentine's Day is murky at best and has roots in both the Catholic Church and pagan Roman traditions. The Catholic Church recognizes at least three saints named Valentine or Valentinus. I won't go into the history. You can go online to historychannel.com there and grab that. But the three saints of the Catholic Church do have something in common. They were killed in some form or fashion in pursuit of love. Just one tidbit of detail. According to legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a girl, possibly his jailer's daughter, who visited him during his confinement. Before his death, it is alleged that he wrote her a letter signed, From Your Valentine. Now, odds are he might have been murdered by the jailer. I'm not sure, but anyway, you can go on history.com and read about all that. Well, it is fitting on Valentine's Day that our subject is love. However, we're not going to talk anymore about candy, flowers, and cards. What I want us to do is consider the question this morning, how can we grow in our love for Jesus? I mean, how can we grow in our love for Jesus. One of the aspects of our congregation that I absolutely value and love is that we value lifelong spiritual growth. I've mentioned before, but in my view, I believe the aim of being a disciple of Jesus is to grow deeper and deeper and deeper in our love for Him, deeper in our devotion for Him, which is then expressed in our desire to honor and obey Him. So we explore the question this morning with the assumption that indeed we all have room to grow in our love and in our devotion for Jesus. The Bible is full of passages of love. You could almost suggest that the Bible is this lifelong dialogue, this lifelong Valentine's message, if you will, between God and His people. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. John 3.1, See What great love the Father has lavished upon us that we are called children of God. 1 Corinthians 13, that soaring description by St. Paul of love that concludes then with the greatest of these, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And then Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Our text today is not overwhelmingly poetic, yet it is a most high challenge from our Lord on what is near and dear to the heart of God. I mean, you ask anyone who has any sensitivity on Valentine's Day, the very best gifts are the ones that are near and dear, near and dear to the heart of the recipient. Love for God and love for others is near and dear to the heart of God. So let's look at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, and just a little bit of background before we read the text. Jesus was in Jerusalem, and he was in his teaching ministry, and he had captured the attention of the religious leaders. And as you've read throughout the Gospels, they're always trying to trick and, and trap him. And so they asked him some bizarre questions, well, or, or some tricky questions. One was about paying taxes, and then there was this bizarre question about a woman who had been a widow six times, and if she was a widow six times, to whom would she be married at the resurrection in heaven? Now, we know a woman would have never asked that question because after being married that many times, a woman wouldn't want to have anything to do with marriage in heaven. Right, Pastor Brian? Mm -hmm. Probably. Well, seriously, the question was more about the validity of the resurrection than it was about marriage. While all this was going on, all these debates about how to please God and to be devoted to God, Mark tells us that a lawyer, a religious-type lawyer, overheard the conversation and then stepped up and asked Jesus a classic question about the Jewish law. Let's pick it up from there. Mark 12, 28-34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Him any more questions. Well, take out the sheet of paper that I, I mentioned to you earlier, and what I want you to do is just take a moment and draw your version of this chart. This chart is one that, that we show from time to time here at OTCC, but this chart represents the spiritual journey. And I'll just review it real quickly. So uh, on the, the left side, if you're looking at your paper, you see uh, your birth date, and then there's several questions. There's the cross, and then there is this, the line going goes throughout all eternity. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow into the image of God. We're trying to grow to be more and more like Jesus throughout our spiritual journey. And so those questions represent those classic questions we ask in life. Who is God? Who am I? What is life all about? The cross represents that moment we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then sort of the stairs represent what it means to grow in our character and grow to be a mature follower of Jesus. So, 
keep that before you. This is not a pic of Cupid shooting an arrow or anything, but it represents what it looks like to grow in your love and devotion through Christ. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at, at three attitudes of the heart that enable us to move into a posture of growing deeper in our love for Jesus. And the first one is simply humility. This lawyer came to Jesus and asked a question. Now, the lawyer serves as either a negative or a positive model. If he came to Jesus with an air of arrogance, like the rest of the religious leaders in the context of the text, and his desire was to trap and trick Jesus, then he serves as a negative example. and We don't want to follow that. Sometimes we can learn from the mistakes of others. But if he came to Jesus with a humble question and a desire to learn, a humble question and a desire to learn, then he is a positive model for us. Jesus told the man that he was close to the kingdom, so let's assume he came with a spirit of humility and a desire to learn and grow. And his question was great. What is the most important commandment? And then Jesus answered with what we call the, the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first part of this commandment, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one, is known as the Shema, which in Hebrew means hear. It is the foundational commitment and commandment in Judaism. If you don't get that one right, then you're not going to get any of the others right. Now, dig deep into what this is saying for a moment. Israel as a nation was founded in a polytheistic culture, the worship of many gods. So here comes this one nation. This one nation, a people chosen by God to be a vessel of God's goodness and a vessel of God's love and a vessel of God's glory. A people chosen by God to be a channel of God's blessings from whom the ultimate anointed one, Jesus, would come. The main distinction of God's people is that they worship one God. They worship the one and only, the one true God, the Creator of all things. They didn't worship the sun, moon, or stars like some of the old other cultures around them. They didn't worship cows, pigs, or billy goats. They worshiped the one living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. No other gods. So love Him with every fiber of your being. Because He is the one true God. And all this starts with humility, doesn't it? It starts with recognizing God for His rightful place as the one true God. And well, us in our rightful place. We're not the one true God. We're not the God of our lives. We're not on the throne of our heart. God is intended to be on the throne of our heart. Any other arrangement and you're really not loving God with all of who you are. Now, if you consider our spiritual growth chart, humility would have you placing yourself somewhere on the line toward God with room to grow. It would place you somewhere on the line of either before the cross of Christ, in other words, you're not yet a Christian, or after the cross of Christ, and you're seeking to grow. Now, if you're not very humble, to be honest with you, you'd probably try to place yourself right up there with, with Jesus, maybe trying to nudge Jesus out of that description. 
But my guess is none of you would do that. Spiritual arrogance would say, I don't need to grow. Spiritual apathy would say, I don't want to grow. Let me say that again. Spiritual arrogance would say, I don't need to grow. Apathy would say, I really don't care. I don't want to grow in my love for God. Let me suggest two ways that we can see the attitude of humility as a gateway attitude to deeper love. And one is understanding your need. We all have needs that we cannot meet on our own. The need to be loved. The need to be affirmed for our value in the world. The need to be in relationships with others. There are the needs that are more acute and, and, and right in front of us every day. Maybe there's health needs that you have that you can't meet. Or maybe there's health needs of a loved one. Or perhaps there's spiritual sickness or there is spiritual sickness. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's sin in our lives that we can't forgive on our own. We need the mercy of God. We need healing grace. And we need salvation. We're all in need. And when you recognize that God and only God, the one true God, only God can meet your deepest needs, then you grow in grace. You grow in gratitude. And you grow in your love for Him because you stand as grateful. And then there's your blessings. James, the little brother of Jesus, says every good gift comes from the Father above. This means everything. Everything that you have in your life that is good has been given to you by God. Everything. And so when you recognize that, when you recognize your, your relationships, when you recognize the, the roof over your head, the, the food on the table, when you recognize the, the friendships, the, the church family, when you recognize those things, you turn to God in this incredible sense of gratitude for your blessings, which increases your devotion of love. Humility is a gateway attitude to deeper love because it moves us from self-centered and self-focused to God-centered and God-focused. The second attitude in, to grow in our love for God is honesty. Honesty. Any love relationship has to be based on honesty and trust. This girl and guy, uh, they were dating, and the guy got up his nerve to propose, and he said, honey, I, I'm not rich like Andrew, and I don't have a, a mansion like John, and I don't have a Porsche like Martin, but I love you deeply, and I, I'd like to ask you to marry me. And she replied, I love you too. Wait, what'd you say about Martin? <laughs> How about that? She was brutally honest. Better he found out then. Well, this dialogue between the man and Jesus feels like an extremely honest, gut-honest conversation. You have to read deeply to see it. The religious leader affirmed Jesus' answer, and the way he did it was fascinating. He told Jesus that he was right, and then in the conversation between Jesus and the lawyer, this gripping honesty comes out. The man affirmed Jesus' answer and then said, that loving God and loving others, get this, is more important than all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices. That's where the gut-level honesty comes in. That was not just a random statement. 
That was a prophetic statement that comes just roaring out of the Hebrew Scriptures. If you read the Old Testament, a theme emerges in which we find the prophets calling out the nation of Israel for going through the religious motions and the temple rituals without having their heart connected. They were being dishonest with themselves and trying or thinking they could actually be dishonest with God and get away with it. The book of of Hosea describes the depth of Israel's unfaithfulness and dishonesty. And God speaking through the prophet said, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. In other words, what God is saying there through the prophet, I don't want you just just being a sham hypocritically or being dishonest in your worship. I want you to be real. God doesn't want offerings that come from an unloving, detached heart. So take out your graph again. uh, Alan, will you put the graph back up, please? Where are you on your spiritual journey? Honestly. Don't put what your spouse thinks you should put or what someone else thinks you should put or what you think someone else wants to see. This is for you and you only. This is between you and God. Get real. Get honest before the Lord. That is such a critical attitude to growing in our love. Because if you're not honest before God, You're not going to be honest with yourself. Are you apathetic right now in your spiritual journey? Be honest and tell Jesus that you want to renew your heart and you want to have Him increase your desire. Just pray for more desire if you're apathetic. Do you struggle with doubt? Be honest and tell Jesus. And ask Him to give you the confidence of your faith and to encourage you in your faith to give you heart. Are you not yet a Christian? In other words, looking at your paper, you're on the left side of the cross. You have not asked Jesus yet into your heart. You've not given your life to Him. You're not yet a Christian. Be honest and tell Him that. Tell Him that you're searching and tell Him that you're seeking. Get real. Don't give God a phony Valentine this Valentine's Day. Get real and honest with God. Tell Him where you are and ask Him to help you grow. That will grow you in your devotion to God. Lastly, love for God grows through spiritual hunger. Love Psalm 42.1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, the living God. We'll change metaphors there from thirst to hunger, but you get what I'm saying. What a beautiful and poetic statement of longing for God. And of course, we're promised by Jesus that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that indeed we will be filled. We will not be left hungry and thirsty if we're thirsting for God. The love that Jesus described here is all-encompassing. Heart, soul, mind, strength, the totality of who we are. And in the Greek, the form word for love is agape. 
which is meant unconditional love, which is a love that is willfully chosen. And so this passage is willfully choose to love God. Make the choice to love God. It's not like a, a, a love that, you, that just comes upon you. You have to actually willingly choose to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Several years back, I ran a few half marathons. And when I was training, I always wasn't good at managing my hydration well. And on a really hot and humid day, I would get really thirsty. And there's nothing I thought about more than getting water. I thought about it in my mind. My body pushed for it. and I wanted to run faster to get it. It's all I could think about. You get the picture. I was completely focused on getting water. To hunger and thirst after righteousness means that we will just zero in and completely focus on what it means to grow in our grace. Growing the grace of God in righteousness. This complete and total love leads us to ask some really good questions, doesn't it? With all your heart, what do you love? With all your soul, what do you worship? With all your mind, What consumes your thoughts? With all your strength, where do you invest your energy? Maybe a prayer for you this Valentine's Day is to ask God to increase your desire and your hunger for Him. I know some of you are from Southern California, and you know that Death Valley is 280 feet below sea level, and it reaches temperatures well into the triple digits. The record high for Death Valley was 134 degrees as an air temperature. I mean, that's amazing, 134 degrees. It's hot and it's desolate. I recently came across an article from the New York Times archives that was dated, I love this date, June 6, 1930, and it reported that the desert had rained for 19 days in a row. That that desolate desert had rained for 19 days in a row. Do you know what happened? All kinds of seeds that were dormant burst forth with life. Flowers and plants never seen before brought forth blooms, and suddenly the wasteland was a wonderland of beauty. Maybe your spiritual life has felt like a desert. Allow the love of God to water your soul. Remember, even while we were still sinners, He loved us. Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. Allow the love of God to water your soul. And as He does, love Him back. And watch how your love blooms and blossoms and you become more devoted to Him. God loves you. God loves you. Happy Valentine's Day. Amen and amen. Pastor Brian, will you come and close us out? Let's pray. God, in the week ahead, help us to carry these attitudes with us. God, as we start a new week, give us humility. Help us to be honest with ourselves in relation to you and with others. And God, help us turn to you with our spiritual hunger. So God, bless us 
as we go from here. Use us this week to bring your hope to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. We'll see you next Sunday.